Hello, I'm Rob Beckett. And I'm Josh Whittacombe. Welcome to Parents in Hell, the show in which Josh and I discuss what it's really like to be a parent, which I would say can be a little tricky. So, to make ourselves, and hopefully you, feel better about the trials and tribulations of modern day parenting, each week we'll be chatting to a famous parent about how they're coping. Or hopefully how they're not coping. And we'll also be hearing from you, the listener, with your tips, advice, and of course, tales of parenting woe. Because let's be honest, there are plenty of times when none of us know what we're doing. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, you're listening to Parents in Hell with... Alfie, can you say Rob Beckett? Bud Beckett. And can you say Josh Widdicombe? Josh Widdicombe. Well done. That was cute. There we go. There we go. Um, Bit of interesting trivia. Couldn't download it on my phone. So, Michael, could you tell us who that is? Okay. Hi, Rob and Josh. Here is my son, Alfie, three today. I've listened from the start and thank you for getting me through lockdown pregnant and two daughters at home. Yes, I'm one of the mad ones who decided on a third. Keep being your sexy selves, Nikki Spree, 455 months, uh, Henfield near Brighton. Yes, Nikki Spree. Nikki Spree. Nikki Spree, that's a good name, isn't it? I like that. Um, yeah. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, thank you uh, for still listening. And uh, I, I find it very heartwarming, all the people that uh, have listened from the start. Yeah, um, so do I. Because it's weird as well. Like, you get well, people start. What a, what, a, what a bloody journey. I was saying, though, it does feel like it needs a third and final act. So if you and Rose want to get divorced, you remarry. I think what this show needs is if you go on Strictly, right. marry one of the dancers yeah. and have an affair, we'll ride out the bit of everyone hating you for a bit. But I think I'll still be the good guy, family man, and that will keep people in. And they'll go, oh, I don't listen to that anymore because of what Josh did. And you go, yeah, but Rob is like a good guy. And it's quite interesting actually to hear about Josh's new life. It sounds awful. He lives in a, in a penthouse apartment in Soho with a dancer that he doesn't really love, but now he's got three kids with him. And I just think if we can, even if Rose has to go in on it and it's like a big lie, and I think it could be... Just if I'm the, doing a Chris Jenner approach to the arc yeah. of this, that's what we need from you. And I'd also quite like it if you stopped sort of being quite mentally well in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know okay, I mean, stop meditating yeah, yeah. and stop being calm yeah. and doing your CBT because obviously it's great for you. You're in a great place. However, I do think it does liven it up a little bit if you are manic. But yeah, okay. as a friend, I don't want to see in too much strife. But we both do like you know earning money. You know, the, the, the issue is obviously I'd lose sure, half yeah. my money. Halfway through, by well, that will give you a bit of fire in your belly, <laughs> won't it? I, I think one of the issues, yeah, with that is, plan is what. Obviously, the main issue is I love Rose and would never do that. But sure. put that aside for a second. Yeah. But if you fell out of love with her, you might. So that there's an opportunity. Not that you'd never do that to her. Is that you, you're in love with her, so you never do that with her. So if you actually fell out of love, you might do that. No, I'd never do that. What um, if she cheated on you first and never knew about it, and it was what? like just between you two? What, and it was a revenge thing? Yeah, the biggest revenge oh, of all. I've got a good story about that, but uh, <laughs> not about me. Um, I can't tell it on here. Um, but it's about beat this out. <laughs> anyway, let's... <laughs> right, go on, carry on. Um, I don't think I'm fit enough for a Strictly Dancer to be cursed with me. I don't think 
either of us are fit enough to do the training and have an affair. Because <laughs> just the cause thought of having to do sex after eight hours of rumba. The guys that, that, that gets cursed and the women, they're always as sexy as the dancers. Yeah. I mean, imagine. It's never like, you're never like, oh, John Sargent, the curse struck him. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, anyway, no, well, let's, let's, put, let's park that as a, a strategy going forward. I just don't know how much common ground I've got. Like, cultural references with an attractive 25-year-old Russian who spent her life learning to dance. Do you like the new Blur album? Like, the Venn diagram of what our interests are and you'd, what we talk about. You'd have to dig deep on Russian football. <laughs> um, anyway, well, let's not do that then. Oh, Josh. This is <laughs> let's not do that then. Let's not do that. I don't think it's for you. Um, two things. I think I'm going to try and get my kids to play the Switch more than play on their iPad. Oh, they, yeah? They play proper games then, like Mario Kart and stuff, rather oh, yeah. than them awful game in-app purchase games where it's just like a terrible oh, way yeah. just to get money out of you yeah yeah, yeah. i'm thinking about that but um, is that is that cool i worry that is mario kart the kind of thing old duffers like us play no it's a nintendo switch it does sort of transcend the generations okay and look you can't get away with it they're going to want to go on screens but i'd rather them play an actual game that's been designed well or, or have got a story to it like as a mario odyssey game than them play these awful ga games where yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. you download it for free and like or roblox yeah. and all that stuff where it's all online and minecraft i'd rather they do something that's like a game and a challenge and something they get better at rather than like wandering around just chatting to let's face it pedophiles <laughs> <laughs> so that's something that's going on the other thing josh is my daughters said to me dad what happens when you die oh tough question they've seen you on never mind the buzzcocks watch me on what i lie to you never been rebooked <laughs> i also would say one of the most relaxed comfortable and i'd say um efficient panel show performers in comedy chat me on any panel show I can only deliver I'll find my niche I'll get a couple I'm not going to say I'm the best but I will get something away and I'll back myself on a panel show right your Champions League panel show and I'm quite happy to say I'm Everton <laughs> however I was very much Plymouth mid-90s when I went on would I lie to you were they rubbish in the mid-90s Plymouth <laughs> oh yeah we've always been rubbish anyway so they asked me about what happens when you die and I think I've got a good answer tell me what you think about this and pick holes in mm. it because I was just there with kids and I thought this is good so I said what happens when you die is it horrible is it scary is it bad and I said well no not really I went when you when you die, when do you go to heaven? I was like, well, it depends what you think heaven is. If you're a Christian, you think heaven is God and the pearly gates is up in the clouds and stuff like that. Mm. Whereas other religions think heaven's a different place and you get different things. I'm not I'm not religious, but I, my sort of where I go when I die will be to to nothing, and there will just be nothing, and it will just oh be gentle and floaty and just nothing there. And they went, yeah, but nothing. What what will that be like? It, will it be horrible? And I go, well, when you're dead, you're not alive anymore. Okay, so before you're born, you're not alive. So what do you remember from before you were born? And they said, nothing. And I said, well, was it scary? Was it bad? How was it? How did it feel? And they said, well, we didn't feel anything. There was nothing. And I said, well, so when you die, you won't be alive the same as you weren't alive before you were born. And it wasn't bad then. So why would it be bad when you die? There'll just be nothing. Yeah. And it was fine before. So it'll be fine again. It is nice. And they were quite happy with that. But 
I can't stop thinking about nothing forever. I'm, uh, how busy I am at the moment, I'm quite looking forward to it. <laughs> but not in a, n- not in a, you know, watch me, like, suicide no, watch no, me. No. I'm happy. No, no. You know, I'm very content, but... But it's like, you know, it's not nothing, but also in the afternoon and nothing, I'm doing a voiceover for Robin Romesh. <laughs> but for stuff, for new things to arrive, old things have got to go. And I'll be an old thing one day and I'll be gone. Who cares? It's inevitable. Um, but it'll be fine. It'll be just nothing. Same as it was before. Do you think it will be? Yeah. I think it'll just be, it'll just, there'll be nothing. Do you not believe in reincarnation, Rob? I believe in sort of um, your energy and your, 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 you have a spirit and your body, your body's sort of like a vessel for it. So I don't know if you might just be floating around in the ether, but um, yeah. the body will be gone. But I don't know what happens to your, your spirit, mind and energy, but probably nothing. Probably just rot into the ground and be gone. This is Annie Mack. (laughs) Is that an intro? Oh, dear. Good episode, this, actually. Well, it is a good episode. She was great. I love Annie Mack. Her book's out now. Here she is. Annie McManus, hello. Hello, lads. It's great to be here talking about parenting with two experts, you know? Two experts, (laughs) yeah. Do you know what? I've just realised why you're Annie Mack. Why? I just thought your name was Annie Mack. I didn't realise you've shortened... No one's shortened their surname. Normally it's the first name. I know. It's my old boss. Because when I got my first show on Radio 1, he was like, why not make it snappy? Oh, Annie I Mack. mean, it's such a radio DJ cliche, isn't it? I haven't like Mack. Yeah. I think it's cool. I like Annie Mack. Do you like I it? I think it's good. I, I think like it's better it, than Annie McManus for a DJ. Yeah, exactly. For a radio DJ, it's grand. And I've kept it for DJing as well. But for writing literary fiction, Rob, I don't know, Annie, it just didn't feel... Have another name. Have another name. Because <laughs> well, also as well, you were, I imagine, was you sort of making waves in radio around the time of Michelle McManus? Who would have been the most famous McManus because she won that singing competition. Who was Michelle McManus? She won Pop Idol. She won Pop Idol. Mm. Come on, Annie, you're not into your music. <laughs> <laughs> so there's Mick McManus Mick McManus the famous wrestler, wrestler. Michelle yeah. McManus won Pop Idol in let me find it about 2003 was it 2003 <laughs> it was 2003 was it uh, 20 years ago wow Josh you, uh, just you, to be clear I guessed that okay. no he knows it he watched too much telly when he was McManus. down in Devon let me look up Michelle McManus oh Michelle McManus. Yes. yes. So I didn't know if it was too close to... No, no, she didn't, like, her existence did not sway that. Right, okay. That's sure. It was a long shot, but I thought I'd give it a go. <laughs> and when you're Annie Mac or when you're Annie McManus, is that like two different characters, like the character of Stuart Lee? No, I mean, I'd love to say, like, I go into a telephone box and, like, come out with a cape on and then I'm Annie Mac. Nothing of the sort. It's exactly the same. So it's not a Sasha Fierce situation? No, I suppose Annie Mac is, like, how I'm perceived in terms of radio and DJing which is kind of fun and hedonistic and a bit bonkers whereas Annie McManus is a bit more serious and thoughtful yeah yes. Annie McManus feels like she's going to read the right act to me Yeah, does I feel she? like you're a tax accountant and I'm fucked up and you're going <laughs> to give me both barrels which is the parent that's the question which is the oh, parent the parent is definitely the latter it's definitely Annie McManus they don't really know that Annie well they, they know me from the radio I suppose they know I'd head off and then they'd hear my voice on the radio so do they listen to your show so I'm not on the radio anymore, but when I was, they did, yes, because I was on a dinner time. So I, I missed dinner for six years. So they'd put that on so you can hear mum. So yeah, mum would be there in the background and T, my husband, would be cursing me while I did <laughs> hottest record interviews and he was trying to do bedtime. <laughs> so how old are your kids? How many you got? What's the So setup? I've got two sons. Oshin is 10 
and mm. Riley is six. Riley just lost his second front tooth, so he's walking around looking like a pirate. He's got no front teeth at all. So that's a great phase. But I'm also quite emotional about it because I feel like that's the last bastion of baby and dumb. When they lose yeah. their baby yeah. teeth, it's really like, oh God. And also you've got boys and yeah. boys tend to just fuck off yeah. for years, don't they? And is that yeah. something that's stressing you out? That's the danger of boys. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they are. I haven't allowed myself to think that far ahead yet, no, to be so honest. so I'm getting in your head, sorry. I, no, no, but I also think that boys actually like... In teenager, I mean, this is all myth stuff that I've chosen to believe, but that they kind of stay closer to their moms as teenagers, like as in they, there's uh, not that kind of like hormonal like yes, conflict. That anger, yeah. Yes, yeah. Right? Because I've got two girls, I know already when they get to that age, they are going right. to hate each other and I'm going to be the guy in the middle going to squeal, calm down a bit, yeah, <laughs> please. Yeah. Whereas my boys like beat the shit out of each other, but it's quickly healed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite remarkable how in a flash they can go from, you know, abject misery to being grand. It never fails to yeah. stand me. I find men, when they've grown up with their mum, they're either like totally dependent and just off. You hardly see them to the point the mum gets the ump or still their mummy's little soldier getting their washing done. Which were you, Rob? Which were you? Yeah, which were you? I've gone. You've gone. Yeah. I would say I'm the, the loose sheep of the family. From an objective perspective, I would say it's probably better for them to go. But yeah. it, it doesn't yeah. make it any easier from a mum perspective. Yeah, I just didn't want to say I'm the best one, basically. <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to imply it and let them work uh, it out. But yeah, he's 10. So I have to start really appreciating and being around while I can, you know. Mm. As he started to have teenage tastes. What's teenage tastes? I don't know, like getting into music and getting into like yeah. things that are perceived as cool rather than things. I hear you. Yeah. He's developed his own taste in music. He's got an old iPod of mine from when I used to, used to judge the Mercury Prize, you know, that music prize. Oh, yeah. Mercury yep. prize. And you always get given an iPod with all the <laughs> albums on it to listen. Yes, deadly. So I gave him my old iPod, which has got like a hundred excellent albums on it. But yeah. it's funny, the ones that he gravitated towards. So his musical tastes are all from the exact same year. Yeah. <laughs> He's just into the, the hundred best albums. But he's also like, his dad is a music producer and his dad yeah. makes rap music. So mm. there's a lot of rap music around. And T, my husband, he's not the type of dad that would like sit cross-legged on the ground and like build a castle out of Lego. He's just not that guy. But no, what he yeah. does do for fun with them is they'll be bored and be like, can we make a music video, dad? Or can we make a song? Oh, and then he'll yeah. sit there and he'll sample them and they'll pretend to rap and then he'll make a proper rap song oh, that's out fun. of that. So they have this whole kind of discography of them from childhood. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. On rap songs, which is kind of cool. But I also think you're so privileged. You're so lucky. Yes. Like, like yeah. you can be around your mate's house and be like, what do you mean we can't make a rap song? What do you mean your dad yeah. can't sample me? They're used to that, which is kind of a bit strange, I suppose. The things I could offer my daughter are so, so <laughs> uncool. One of the coolest things that happened to me when I was a kid was that one of my dad's mates came to a barbecue with some McDonald's patties frozen that had been stolen that we right. cooked on our barbecue. That was exciting. These are actual patties from a McDonald's that are frozen that we are cooking now. But it's amazing, isn't it? The different networks <laughs> the children can be around. Rob, that would go down so well in our houses. They're obsessed with McDonald's. Oh, no, I'm not saying, yeah. but your family's all music and pure music. Yeah. So like, if your kids yep. got into music and were an artist, they'd get loads of grief for that. 
because of who the parents are and things like that. You know what yeah, I mean? It's yeah. mad, isn't it? Where Whereas if you'd worked at McDonald's, Rob, people are going... They'd be like, this guy knows how to cook them already because of his dad's mate. This isn't fair. This is nepotism. This guy's employee of the month, month after month after his history with these frozen patties. Do you take your kids to festivals then? No. 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 I'm no. not that bad no. person. Those people are unhinged. Festivals are for me. Yeah. The ones I choose to stay at. I've seen too many screaming children and pissed off looking parents at festivals to feel like I want to do it. Now, I am about to contradict myself because I have a, a festival next Thursday in West London, which is where I live. Yeah. yeah. And they've been more and more curious about me. And I thought I could bring them in for an hour and they could just sound yeah, yeah, and yeah. see me DJ. And then, but we're not camping or... <laughs> no, <laughs> thank you. And it... There were people at our gig at Glastonbury that had a three-month-old baby, right, right. that they yeah. brought to Glastonbury, and they were very proud to tell the whole room that that baby was conceived at Glastonbury last year. And I just thought, you two are fucking disgusting. <laughs> and I said that out loud. Did you? Yes, I went, this is disgusting. You're not normal. What did they say? I don't, I wasn't listening. I've got a microphone, they haven't. That's they how I like it, They turned around and walked out in tears. <laughs> Do you know what? I'll lose them. Yeah. No, do you know what? If someone comes to a Rob Beckett gig, that's what they want. It turns out that's what they want. They just want to be abused. <laughs> they just want to be abused. They verbally abused. No, I, I agree. I actually, I have friends who have conceived children at Glastonbury, but they definitely haven't brought the children so, back. So no, rephrase that. You've got ex-friends people that used to be your friends until they became disgusting people. I can't imagine conceiving at Glastonbury. Because I saw you were supporting Harry Styles. So yes. Is there stuff like that where your kids are like incredibly impressed, where you're like, I'm just off to hang out with Harry Styles in Dublin for the day? They didn't give a shite. I don't think they even are that aware of who he is yet. Yeah. So, no, I didn't impress them there. I actually have to do careers day in school tomorrow. Oh, do you? Yeah, I've got to go in and talk to the year fives and sixes about my career. And I said to Oshin this morning, I was like, so who can I say that I've interviewed that will like, people will be impressed by? Like, if I say Stormzy and Dave. Or- oh, you said, we won't be embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> you get stuck. You can say Robin. It's a free one on us. Okay, thank you. But I don't really know what them lot are into. Stormzy, surely. I'm going to say Stormzy and Dave. Yeah. Harry Styles. I'm going to say Dua Lipa, Taylor Swift. Dua Lipa. Adele. George Ezra. George Ezra, they might know, yeah. They'd like him. Adele, I don't know if they'd know. Adele might be a bit depressing for a 10-year-old. Yeah, yeah, true. The teachers would love it, though. Yeah, they would. Does you see the sadness in their eyes after a long term? I bet they'll be listening to a bit of that. (laughs) I'm going to impress both of them. And how long's your talk? The talk is half an hour, which feels long. How much prep are you putting into something like that? Or are you just going to riff it? This is the prep. This sure. is the prep. I might wheel out a few photos later. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If in doubt, PowerPoint. A couple of photos of some famous people. I don't know. I haven't thought about it, guys. I really need to. We'll see how it goes. I just have to not embarrass him and I'll be all right. He's going to be in the top. Oh, awful. I know. That is stressful. That's I the hardest know. bit, isn't it? Because also, if you're dying on your arse, if it's not going very well, then don't not say that. And your I... son's staring at you, I think. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, God! But that was just the kind of stuff you've got to consider, isn't it, surely? I think the way to do it is go in hard with a couple of jokes about your son to let them know who's boss early doors. Oh, my God. I suggested that this morning, and Oshie was like, can you just pretend that you don't know me? That's what you do. Oh, God. Are you going to be Annie Mack or Annie McManus? I don't know. I haven't thought about it. Oh, no, you're going to straddle both worlds. (laughs) Oh, God. I don't know. They'll be talking about DJing, so I'll be Annie Mack. Yeah. 
Okay. So I did a talk when there was a teacher. She used to teach in a school in Thamesmead, very rough school. Yeah. And she's actually seen some of her ex-pupils on them, like 24 hours in custody. I love those shows. Yeah, but it's like she sees the kids she taught. Oh, <laughs> it's bad. They yeah. also, as well, used to take the mickey out of her wonky glasses and they stole her iPod once. Poor old oh, Blue. Anyway, they asked me, I'd done like one year on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of It. Nobody knew who I was. Yeah. The spin-off yeah. show of I'm a Celebrity. And I'm yeah. on it for like 10 minutes because it's mainly Laura Whitmore interviewing the people in the jungle. And they wanted someone off the telly to go and do like a speech. And I'm not saying this to get in your head, Annie Mac. It mm. was the worst 10 minutes of my life because they didn't know who I was. And right. I was still driving a Nissan Micra at the time. And they saw me pull up and I was like, who the fuck listens to anyone driving a Nissan Micra about careers? Oh, oh right. And it was tough. Well, who's sorry now? Yeah, yeah. You should go back now and go, look at me. Look yeah. at me. But I would say whipping out people that you've met and things you've done at the top to establish why they should listen is key. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. other than yeah. that, you are just someone's mum. So yeah. if you go, I'm so-and-so's mum. However, I've also done this. I supported Harry Styles and I did yes. this. And it feels very anti-British sort of like, oh no, but you've got to just go balls deep with this is what I've done. I've done pretty well actually from this background and this is how you can do it and yeah, just be yeah, unashamedly yeah. this yeah. is what's going on yeah could you get a voice note from harry or stormzy to introduce you oh shit a voice note to introduce me say hello so-and-so school this is i want to welcome annie mac you should make sure she listens yeah. she knows her shit maybe not shit but something oh like. my god that's a genius move yeah, Rob. exactly so look what happened here annie i got in your head i panicked you but now we've come to a resolution yeah. i'm gonna thank you tomorrow that'd be great you'll smash it what time's your talk i have to be there 10 a.m i think 10 a.m. Yeah, yeah. Are you active on the school? No. So I <laughs> basically joined my oldest kid's parent WhatsApp group when he was in year four. Really? Okay, wow. I actively did not have anything to do with that world. It'd be like Italy during the war. Yeah, I was kind of like, <laughs> I'm busy. I've got a really big career. I mean, everyone must have been like... Okay, oh, like, you said I'm too busy for this shit, you fucking losers. I said that to T. I said that to T. I was like, you need <laughs> right. to do the WhatsApp group. Take one for the oh, team. Oh, right. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, you said it. Yeah. You can do that. I thought you said it to the group. Guys, I'm pretty busy. <laughs> Sorry, you guys. You two waffle I'm too on. Busy. <laughs> Leave. I just didn't join it in the first place. And then at year four, I finally just kind yeah. of came in and was like, hi, guys. Yeah. I hope you don't mind that I'm joining now. And everyone's like, eye roll emojis. Ooh. Someone's like, right, you need to bake flapjacks for every school fair for the rest of the time your kids oh, are in blimey. school. Like, they went in hard. No, they were joking, but it yeah, was yeah, kind fun. of funny. But I'm better with the second kid because I think I'm a better parent now. Like, I think with the second kids, you, you get a bit more chill and a bit more yeah, focused. Totally. We didn't have a fucking clue what we were doing when our first kid was born. No. When I brought Oshin home as a baby, this is the kind of joke in our family. T actually said to me, so what do they eat anyway? <laughs> Baby, why they? Should we get some in, put it in the fridge? I can fucking oh. eat the milk from like I kid you not. That's how clueless we were. He didn't have oh, a clue. Word. Well, I didn't know they weren't allowed water. Didn't you? Oh, I was like, she's not had any water. Should I give us a water? Went, no, they don't need water. I was like, yeah. what is it? A fucking seal? What do you mean don't need water? <laughs> And so how clear did you have the stuff? Yeah, we had some of the stuff. We bought some of the stuff, yeah. Had you read a book? <laughs> I'd read a couple of books. I read this book that Sarah Cox gave me that Davina McCall gave her. Oh, oh wow. here we Lovely go. Stuff. Here we go. Drop yeah. this in your bloody careers talk. That's your opening. Uh... Did Davina get it off Annika Rice from Silla Black? <laughs> I don't know where the chain began. <laughs> Just female presenters down the line. Yeah. But Davina McCall basically had all her babies at home. 
Right, this is the stuff of legend amongst yeah. women. But she does famously live at hospitals, doesn't she? <laughs> no, she does. She lives in a bath. <laughs> yeah. No, Sarah also had like really good birth. So I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to these girls okay. and see yeah. what they have to say. And they come from the school of like nature, nature, medicines. There, of course, if you need it, yeah. But you should try and do it naturally. Sarah Cox is out on a horse in the fields all day, isn't she? She's that kind of person. Yeah. The book that they gave me is a book from the 70s in which every man has a huge beard. And it's all about like a band of travellers, right? Like a nomadic tribal people in America. And this one woman who was the midwife for all of them. And she wrote the book. So it's all pictures of like how you should snog before the birth because it... What's the word beginning with O? Help me out, lads. Oxytocin. Oxytocin. Thank you. Fucking hell, how did I get that? Where's that from? Yeah, well done, mate. Where's that buried away? So what point of the birth are you snogging? Sorry. Beforehand. So in all the lead up, you're supposed to snog and he's supposed to like feel your boobs and you're supposed to get all a bit sexy, actually. What's his book? Get a bit sexy. (laughs) If I said to Lou, look, I've read a book, I've got to give you a kiss and grab your tits and it helps with the birth. While she's in (laughs) labour. Yeah, while she's in labour. Get the gas and air out your mouth. Come here. Imagine being in the hospital. (laughs) And you're getting off with your wife while she's giving birth. Surely the nurse would say something. All I know is that I didn't really follow any of the advice. Right. (laughs) Poor old T. The labour was the most (laughs) stressful and ferocious experience of my life. Wow, was it bad? Do you mind sharing? I fucking love it. Let's share it. Okay. So basically... I woke up at 6am on a Monday morning. My mom had come over to stay. I went down to my mum was like, it's on, something's happening. Mm. We dragged T out of bed and then he was in charge of timing the contractions. Right? Sure. Yeah. The classic, give them a purpose. Got your fucking thing. Yeah. He's a producer doing it on BPM probably. Exactly, right. He fucked up bad. Okay. And he kept forgetting when the contractions started. So the timings were all over the place. Yep. I was right. trying to stay calm. I puked up in the kitchen sink. My mom oh was my like... God. This looks like it's happening quite quickly. I think mm. you should go to the hospital. And I was like, no, no, it's fine. We're only on four minutes. It's grand. We need we need more. And I was going so quickly delirious. It was pretty painful, actually. It was getting painful. It was getting scary. It was getting like, I'm scared now because this is sore and I don't really know. And I'm not in control. So T then, it's his job to call the taxi, calls an Addy Lee. It's taxi. late. Oh my God, not a taxi. It's Monday morning, right, at 8 a.m. So we then drive to the hospital, which is half an hour's drive away. It's rush hour. Okay, oh. I am sitting in the back of the car on a folded towel, right, because my water yeah. still haven't broken. Mm. And I am cursing every person under the sun. Yeah. How's the cab driver dealing with this? Not very well. I make everyone in the car say the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> Absolutely lost it. <laughs> uh, the driver trying to Google it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the poor driver, I made him break the law. We were in a traffic jam. I was like, you're going to have to fucking drive out on the wrong side of the road all the way down this traffic jam until we're able to turn this corner. You have to do it. And he did it. Oh, Good God. on him. I still, to this day, feel awful. And I had my tent. You know what a tens machine is? Did yeah, you? it's the electrics thing. That yeah, you... it gives you these little electric jolts. And they happen at the same time as a contraction. And it kind of distills the pain a little right. bit. Yeah. And it was working pretty well. And then we got out of the cab. And at this point, it was fucking agony. And we got into a, I don't know what happened to the poor taxi driver. My mom looked like she'd seen a ghost. She sat outside. She started knitting a baby's cardigan while I went into the labor ward. And I walked into the labor ward and apparently, this is what I said, I kind of burst in the door and went, let's get this fucking show on the road. Like, this, <laughs> like off my head. And I was couldn't get my trousers off. 
and was panicking and shouting and just bellowing at people and cursing. T had to apologise for my cursing. They've heard it before. Surely yeah, they've heard it. I should it. hope so. And then finally, this little lady, this little Spanish lady came up to me and just kind of grabbed me by the shoulders. And I think she was the head midwife. And she went, shouting isn't going to get you anywhere. You're going to listen to me now. And you know when someone just takes control and I yeah. nearly fucking kissed her. I was like, thank you. That would have helped. Need- the old oxytocin. It might have helped the oxytocin. Yeah. But somebody knows what they're doing yeah. here. Yeah. I'm okay. And then she got me in the bath. 50 minutes later, the baby was born. Wow. I was nine centimetres dilated upon arrival in the neighborhood. <laughs> oh my God. I nearly had the baby in the cab. It was oh say, No wonder God. the cab driver didn't know what to do. If he was looked in his mirror, it's <laughs> yeah. nine centimetres dilated. Nine, I swear to God, nine centimetres. Oh yeah. man. So actually getting in the water, all it did is slow me down and calm me down mm. enough to get the baby out. I mean, that's a good birth apparently. Cause it was that's all a good birth. quick. I mean, it's stressful. I would have liked to be at the hospital a bit earlier. And for the yeah. second one, I was. And that also, the baby arrived in like five hours the second time. But let me tell you what happened the second time. Good DJ to time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the baby arrived a second before the news was read out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd clean yourself up, travel and finish, you're back in 3.03. Just for the intro of the song, but not over the first line of the no, song. No, Just no, the no. instrumental yeah, 12 seconds. Up to the vocals, the then back to breastfeeding. <laughs> So the second time we went into the baby, whatever it's called, the labour ward, not the ward, the nice bit. What's it called when you? There's like a childbirth unit that isn't the labour ward, where it's yeah, like the birthing sofas, unit. the birthing yeah. unit. It wasn't a private hospital or anything, but we had our own room, and I swear there was like little electric candles. It was all white. I was oh, like, nice. this is amazing. I feel like I'm in a hotel. Yeah. And we had this little Scandi midwife, just one little girl who looked like she was about 19, <laughs> and I was like. This is mad, but whatever. And then again, it happened really fast. T brought his big fancy camera and took photos of the entire... I'm surprised he didn't get like a wallop in the head with the camera. I can't believe I let him take photos all the way through. Do you ever look back at them? I do. And it's so emotional and mad to see them. I'm glad they exist, basically. Yeah, right. They're good. But when the second baby was born, again in the bath, you know the... What's it called? God, I can't remember the name of anything. The thing that people eat that the baby... Placenta. Placenta. Jesus, what's wrong with me today? The placenta. Okay, I don't out. know what's right with me though. I can't stop. I'm <laughs> you are. It's like, I feel like I'm on the fucking chase. I'm going to keep testing you all the way through. So this is the thing that no one told me about labour, not even the book, that you give birth to the baby and then you give birth to the placenta. I didn't know yeah. about this no. either. Which is yeah. disgusting and looks like yeah. alien. Yeah. So I gave birth to the placenta in the bath after. And then it turns out there was a knot in the rope of the placenta, like a big right. fat knot. The umbilical cord. Thank you. In the, the rope. Fucking hell, you on a ship? <laughs> <laughs> the rope. The blue rope. <laughs> tied around the back of a caravan. <laughs> Have you recovered from Glastonbury, Addy? <laughs> it's day Jeez. four, no. Can I get a ticket to this speech you're doing tomorrow? <laughs> I'll be at the back shout and the rest of the anecdotes. Help me out, kids. What's the, what's the word for it? School. It's That's Styles. It's Harry Styles. School. Yeah. Stormzy. What's, what's my name? Yeah. Oh, my God. The umbilical cord had a huge knot in it. Yeah. And the midwife was obsessed with this knot. So I was lying. I don't know if this happened to your lovely partners, but after you have a baby, you shake like the engine of a car. Yeah, like, yeah. When you have mm. it in the way that I did it anyway, which is quite fast and furious. So I was lying there shaking. They brought me my toast. The baby was born, it was safe, it was all fine. But then they laid out my umbilical cord on the floor on a (laughs) towel, right? And it was enormous with the placenta. It was enormous and it was blue. 
And they got every midwife in the entire like birthing ward to come in and look at it. So <laughs> he has this picture of this like blue slimy thing oh. with like six women all kneeling around, like staring at it, like, and me just in the corner, like a whale. <laughs> and it, the whole thing is just so surreal. So why were they so into it? Because it had a knot in it. Because it had a knot in it, which oh. apparently is very dangerous because yeah, the knot could yeah. go around the baby's neck. So obviously I was feeling very lucky, but also what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Can everyone leave now? Can I have my child? And you weren't tempted to keep the umbilical cord and placenta as a... Not, not for a not second. I was people. so happy to see the end of don't it. Don't want to keep the rope. Yeah. Get rid of the rope. Yeah, don't get rid of the rope. rope. Get rid of the yeah, rope. Yeah, yeah. What was it like going back to Radio 1? Because Radio 1's obviously all about youth and being young. Yeah. And let's go for a teenage and 20s market. And then you're going back and you're spending all the rest of your time kind of breastfeeding and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Was that like two different lives? Yeah, very, very much was. There was other people who were parents there, so I didn't feel like totally isolated or anything for being a parent. The bit where it felt very strange was DJing. So (laughs) suddenly, where I felt like I used to be kind of a bit on the level of the people I was DJing to, I'd have a couple of vodka tonics, be a bit loose and wouldn't really be thinking about anything. Now I was thinking about breastfeeding. I was thinking about baby at home. You'd look into the audience and you'd see these adults who now I saw essentially as children. I was like, you are 19. And is someone helping this girl? Because she looks (laughs) fucked. And suddenly I became this kind of protective maternal person who was worried for everybody's welfare and kind of freaked out by how wasted everyone was. And I don't know, you just see it in a whole different light. When you're responsible for keeping someone alive, then you're kind of looking at everyone else thinking, you see the child in everyone, I suppose. Yeah. And also you're just not really like, when the kids got bigger, I'd be DJing, remembering I hadn't packed their school lunch. Thinking (laughs) this is not what I should be thinking now at 2am in Bournemouth. I should be thinking how wild this is and whatever. So uh, for a while, I just felt like I wasn't on a level in a way that wasn't okay. Yeah. But it all kind of balanced out a bit. Did you find, because I struggled with, maybe I only really just got a handle on it in the last year or two, was the losing my social life and stuff like that. And Mm. did you find that, because obviously you're working in an industry that's full of exciting parties and all that kind of stuff. Did you find that? So my job was so social and I was lucky in that my friends all knew when I was DJing and for them, it's an easy night out, straight up guest list, free rider. So whenever I had a gig, I would always have friends about because they would just come. So I was very lucky in that way. I didn't really have to orchestrate much of a social gathering. Yeah. So I didn't find it too hard socially. Your social life does just change, but I just don't give a shit anymore. I quite like sitting indoors. Yeah, no, I hear you. I don't know if I'm weird and I've given up or it's just what you have to accept. You know what I mean? But I quite enjoy that. I'm with you more than ever. But I have to say I felt weird socially as a mum. And I think a lot of women go through this. You have this kind of sense that you should be friends with all the other moms and we should be besties and we should be talking about our babies and what they're doing now and blah, blah, blah. And I found that stuff kind of like repellent. I didn't like the whole compare and contrast culture where they're like, oh, what do you mean little Jimmy isn't doing this yet? Like, oh, whatever. Oh, yeah, that's Oh, it's toxic. And when you're kind of... I don't know, if you don't know people really well, well enough to go, I'm fucking miserable, I hate this, what's going on? (laughs) Then you have to put on a front. Yeah. And you you get the sense that everyone's doing that and no one's really being honest. So because of that, I did step away from that a bit. I was one of the first of my friends to have a baby. So I did feel like I didn't really have anyone really close to me that could really get it. Actually, Sarah, Sarah Cox was amazing. She lives up the road and I have a sister who was a bit ahead of me. So that was good. 
Yeah, I didn't really go for the mum groups very much. <laughs> what was Sarah Cox like as a kind of shot? Not shoulders to cry on, but like she's as the a- best. She's very chilled. We spoke to her on this. Did you? She's always been very inspiring to me and her husband Ben because they are like amazing parents, super caring, yeah. super committed, but also just trust their kids. And their kids are such good kids. Like their middle kid is, I think he's 15. And I go up there with my two little boys and they're just like, they love him. And like a 15 year old boy is probably like, get out. This guy plays football with them in the garden the whole time. Oh, that's good. And it's just like, you're so good. You're 15. You should be up playing PlayStation. Like, yeah. And they don't even have to tell him to do that. He's just that kid. So I always find them really inspiring. And also I kind of look to them a lot for advice because they're just a few years ahead of us. So I know yeah. when Oshin hits 13, I'll be on the phone to her going, help, what do <laughs> I do? And also she's someone who's a really good example of how to work and parent and do both well and sustain it. Well, you're both now authors. You're not DJ. Well, you are DJs. Yeah. But you're the classic author DJs. So this is a dream job, right? It's mad. Yeah, it is mad. We share a lot of frustrations about writing. Do you? I bought your book for this. That's so nice of you. We should have fucking sent you one at least. No, thank you. I'm really enjoying it. I've started reading it after Glastonbury. Well, it's perfect. It's perfect. My friend brought it on Kindle to Glastonbury, which really? I thought was bizarre because she said it's just the right type of book to read at Glastonbury. And I was like, fair, because there's a lot of hedonism in there. The mess we're in. What's it about? Give us the rundown. It's about a young one, young Irish girl who moves to London and lives with a rock band. 2001. Did you have to do a lot of research into that character? Because uh, <laughs> you'll get really into the head of the... So she is not me. <laughs> Every interview, not me. But thematically. Yes, of course. Yeah. The whole yeah. writing what you know was definitely something yeah, I had yeah. to do. Because like I did live with my brother's band in 2001. So that was a mad time. And I, it was definitely something I wanted to write about, but also remember. Yeah. So it was a good exercise in having to talk to people from that era and just kind of remember what it was like. And also just being an Irish person in London, which is something I'd never really had time to think about before now. And that was definitely something I wanted to explore. There's loads of scenes in an old Irish pub, Rob, with loads of old fellas. You know those fellas you see in Irish pubs who like stare into their pints? Yeah. yeah. They're kind of relics. So there's a lot of them. And that was fun. I had to make friends with my local landlady in my local Irish pub for that. And yeah. now I'm a proper regular there. Oh, what, for research? Yeah, I interviewed her two or three times. Oh. I'll start writing some more if it means I can get shit faced and chat to the landlord. <laughs> Listen, what's not to love? Just write another book, Lou. I'll be back at 1am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you enjoy it, writing Yeah, it? I did enjoy writing, actually. Very much enjoyed writing it, yeah. Is that something you've always wanted to do or did it creep up on you? I did like English lit at uni and stuff. So I've always been into writing and reading. I've always read loads. But then like radio came along. So you're not going to want to do anything else when you do that. It's like life is great. Like this is the fucking dream career and DJing. Like, but it was only when I was 40. Are you guys 40 yet? I'm 40. No, I'm not. I'm sort of shockingly young, actually. Are you? What age are you, Rob? 24. 20? Shut up. (laughs) 34. No, 37, actually. So 37. not that much younger okay. at all. Just a bit of fun. So when I hit 40, I I don't know if this happened to you, Josh, but I definitely... You had like, a full breakdown, Annie. I kind of really had like the classic midlife. Like, you know, you see those guys who <laughs> shave their heads and have affairs and buy Lamborghinis. Yeah. Yeah. I empathised. Did you? What did you do? I, I took a writing course. <laughs> <laughs> he took a drawing course. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> do you know what that is, though? Because your job is like... Most people they get to 40 and they go, I haven't been hedonistic enough. But if you're Annie Mac, you go, I need to calm myself down. Here. Yeah. I need to yeah. do something in the office. I'm not acting like a 40 year old. So what's your excuse? 
Me? I'm bloody hardcore, mate. <laughs> so you were so hardcore you had to do a drawing course. What kind of drawing? Was it live drawing? Like, what are we kind no, of drawing? Live drawing. You had to draw a mug and a scarf on Zoom at 8am. No, I didn't have to draw a mug and a scarf. I chose to draw a mug and a scarf. Like sketching. Kind of sketching a mug at 8am on Zoom with a pre-recorded video. <laughs> It wasn't pre-recorded at 8am, but it was always pre-recorded by the time I came to it at 3pm. I think there's like a desire to learn something new. Mm. That's what yeah. I had. I was like, I fucking love my job. It's been amazing. But I want to push myself. I, I want to learn. I just want to do yeah. something different. Like, Do you think that's the turning 40 made you want to do that? Yeah, you're forced to look at yourself and look at your life and you're forced yeah. to look backwards and you're forced to kind of come out with those milestone birthdays. They just make you be like, okay, fuck, who am I? Where yeah. am I? What's life look like? Do you think, though, it might be because you two still live in sort of quite cool areas with young people near you, right? No, my area is entirely parents of young children. It's so not cool. That was my idea with Josh was because he still lives in like East Sunders. You're very cool and young. You feel like when I go around to see him, I feel really old. Whereas right. I live in Kent and I feel good. I feel young. <laughs> I feel pal. Like, you feel vibrant. That's why you're comfortable sitting in at night oh, in your slippers. Yeah. I feel so young. I feel like there's so much ahead of me when I see the yeah. old people that live near me. But if you oh, are with yeah. other parents, then maybe 40 is just a time people reflect on their age. But I thought Josh was panicking because everyone was younger. No, I'm not panicking at all. I'm just... Yeah. Finding out who I really Rose am. Rose started making him dress smarter. Did you change what clothes you wore at no, 40? No, she didn't start making me dress smarter. I decided to dress a bit no, smarter. No, no, I mean, Rose was unhappy of how he was dressing. No, that's not so true. So she made yeah, him put on these hush puppy shoes. No, that's not true. And I've a got blazer. Hush puppies. He that's not like, true. No, but them little brown suede shoes looks like. They're nice shoes. They're from Crockett and Jones. He's dressed like a dad watching his daughter get graduated from uni. Right. Kind of outfit. Right. And it's fine. It's an Oxford shirt, brown jacket. But that's what I mean. You do start seeing yourself from a remove, I suppose. You know? Yeah. So did you start dressing worse as well? Or did you still dress I normally? Did. Oh, come on now, Rob. Come on I don't now. think I did. I don't think I drastically changed how I dressed. Did your husband make you change your clothes? Rose didn't make me change my clothes. I made the decision myself. <laughs> Let's be very clear on that. My husband is seven years younger than me. Oh, respect, Annie, actually. Good well, work. Well, sometimes he's six. I prefer those times. <laughs> yeah. But mostly he's seven years younger than me. Mm. So I've always been super conscious of how much older I am than him. So 40, yeah. I was like, oh, God. Because when I was met him, I was like, when I'm 40, you're going to be 33. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, it's grand. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Mm. She says that. Wait till I'm 70. 17. 60, yeah. yeah 63. Fucking might as well. Who cares after 60? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, maybe. It's all much and much. Yeah. How old were you when you met him? I was 30 and he was 24. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which meant that he became a dad at 28. He became a dad quite young. Well, it's not that young at all. No, no I was 29 I was, when I was a dad. I think it's a good time to be a dad. I think it's just in the kind of worlds we live in, in the kind of TV and radio worlds, people do have kids much later. Much later, especially around where I am in northwest London. Like you get loads of women in their 40s having their first kid. It's pretty normal. One more question on the book. Yeah, sure. Because it is full of drug taking. When I read back the first draft, I was like, oh, God, there's a lot going on there. For me, it was like important to normalise that as being yeah. really just ubiquitous. It was everywhere. Mm. And when you work in the music industry and your friends are bands. Yeah. So the book's set in 2001, Rob. So we're post-Oasis. Right. We're post the 90s. That kind of culture where every fucking cover of Heat magazine is celebrities falling out of clubs wasted. Yeah. It's yeah. that whole culture of getting wasted as being aspirational. So when you're in a band around that time, 
what I saw anyway was you not only feel like that is something you should be doing, being in a band, like all the music press glorified it as well. Yeah. But also you're everywhere you go, you're facilitated. Like every record label, every person at the label, everyone. And that still like, goes on, but not as a glorified in the sort of music industry. Not as overtly, I yes. think. And I think yeah. Gen Z and also the fact that we are all on screens and everyone presents their lives through the prism of a screen and social media means that you just can't be as wasted anymore. No. You have yeah. to look good. Or if you don't post for two days, I know you're getting on it. <laughs> exactly. I'm fascinated by that. Like even the rise in festival culture. Like, you know how everyone goes to festivals now? That's because it looks good on Instagram. Yeah. Who wants to go to a dark, sweaty nightclub at 3am? You can't take not photos me. in there. Not me. Not you anyway. Oh, absolutely not. I don't want to shit on someone's shit. That's me. That's one of my famous sayings, actually. That's where nightclubs are dying. What's your, your approach to drugs with your kids then when they become teenagers and they go to festivals? Because you can't really hide away from it because it's sort of the industry you're in and the book you've written. What's going to be your advice or your... I'm hoping that it'll be the kind of Safi effect, you know, uh, from Abfa. Oh, that there'll be a couple oh, yes. of squares. That machine will end up being an accountant who's yeah, deeply yeah, yeah. embarrassed of me. No, I don't we'll know. see how tomorrow goes at the talk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think that he'll blatantly end up doing that stuff. And I think for me, it's just much better that it's out there and being talked about. So yeah. Yeah. I can say like, it's part of the conversation without it being like, sit down, we need to talk. Yeah, of course. You know yeah, what I yeah. mean? I definitely want to be that mum where like all his mates come over here. Like this is my little office here where we are. Yeah. I'm yeah. fully willing to dedicate this when he's 14 to him and all his friends just to come over here. If they want to like smoke weed, smoke it here where I can see you yeah. Yeah. and I can bring you nibbles. But you don't want to be rolling the joints or ordering it in for them. Of course not. <laughs> oh my God, no. There's always one alcoholic parent that'd be like, yeah, come round to mine and have drinks. We're like, you just don't want to drink alone, do you? Now you've got children. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a kind of undertone of sadness. Yeah, yeah. Like my husband, T, he's sober. So that's very cool. And that they kind of have one of each. Like I love a drink. Yeah. They always see me like having a glass of wine here and then. But he doesn't. So they've got a bit of both. Yeah. Do you think you'd like them to read the book? What age would you go? I think this is for you now. I don't know. I think you'd have to be teenager, 13 yeah. maybe. Ideally mm. older, but. <laughs> 35. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd make him read them in order. Like some other mother, my first novel is nowhere near as hedonistic. So I'd make him yeah. read that first and then maybe yeah, he'll be yeah. shut off and he'll be think it's boring and won't want to read and it. And then he, the third one you write, he has to read it whilst on an E. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Full circle. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. Uh... I don't know how. The drugs chat is fascinating. It is. Yeah, it really is. It's an interesting one. I think you just need to talk as long as it's something that is not taboo. Yeah. Mm. Not encouraged, but not taboo. Yes, exactly. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I find the thought of those chats mortifying, but I know they're the right thing to do, if that makes sense. I think definitely. I think the key is to not make it a chat. Yeah, or try and be like too chilled about it. Like. Yeah. So like, but you know what was interesting when we took Oshin to his first, Oshin's a Sheffield United supporter because his dad's yeah. from Sheffield. We took him to Bramall Lane for the first time and we were sat opposite the away stand. Yeah. And it's yeah. the first time he's seen a kind of concentration of really drunk people. Yeah. And yeah. he was pretty scared. He was like, God, this yeah. is so aggy. And if you've never been to a football yeah. match, it was quite a lot. But actually it's really good training for him to know how drunk people behave and act and they're loud and they're leery or whatever and not be scared of that. And it's not going to encourage you to do it if you're watching football fans on an away totally, day. Totally, totally, yeah. yeah. And I bring him down to Maggie's, like I bring him to the local Irish pub now and they 
they sit and watch football and eat crisps. And I was brought up in pubs. I remember so. I've got really sensory memories of a kid sitting in the pub waiting for my dad to finish his Smithix <laughs> and like drinking orange or whatever. So I think it's good for them to be around different types of people and understand yeah. that's the real world, you know? Because a lot of younger people now, they're totally not into drinking and drugs and all that right. kind of stuff. It's a really different culture, isn't it? Yes. Your yes. children might be into the gym. Oh my God, they'd be all hench. Meatheads. It's so true. Like, I don't yeah. know what I'd rather. Then you'll have to talk about taking steroids. That'll be the drug chat. <laughs> yeah. Just like, inject like, it in you your You and your ass. mates come round here. Twice and a year time. Get your asses out. you and your mates want to all be round here doing the steroids, at least I'm here. I'll varnish you. you. I'll put all the varnish on for you. <laughs> I mean, but both are so extreme. Like, if, yeah. it's like my friend has her, she's got a daughter in second year, year eight. And suddenly they all just want to go to the gym. That's just like, really? they just want to get the, the gym membership. Brilliant. When I was at school of going to the gym was so far from my idea of what I was going to do with my time. There wasn't such a thing as a gym you go to. It would be like, just go for a run or something or jump up and down in the garden. Just go down the wreck and play football. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Gym culture wasn't as... You just play sport for the sake of playing sport. It wasn't strategic, was it? It wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the whole phone thing, like when do you guys think you'll give your kids phones? Secondary school. Secondary school, probably. First year of secondary school is a sort of not confirmed plan, I think. But Has your son asked yet? Oh, yeah, it's been asking for a few years now. And I just say, you are going to be the last person of all your friends to get one. And that's all I'm telling you. Oh, God, so, to tell you what, you're in a tough deal if you've got another parent doing that. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> what I've decided to do is maybe try and like link up with some other parents and all kind of make a pact and be like, right, if we all decide we're going to hold out till mm. 13 or whatever, then at least they can't be like, well, everyone else has one because we can go, oh, no, yeah. they don't. Right. Yeah. Louis and Johnny also don't have one. I think you'll find. Yeah. It feels like a bit of a insider trading though, doesn't it? It feels like some sort of legal hedge fund plan. I don't know. I went for my first visit to the local secondary school. And yeah, that yeah. was mad because he's going to secondary school next year, which is scary. But they actually don't allow smartphones for the first, second and third year. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's a win for you. So you're going to have to get him a Nokia. They said Nokia's grand, like a burner, a little one is fine. But any sort of smartphone, not okay. They said they think they're too young to deal with them. But they right. can have a phone that, uh, you know, cross-county line drug deal. They can, can play have. Snake. They can drug deal. They can drug deal and play Snake. <laughs> but no WhatsApp. No WhatsApp's a bad one. Do you want to ask the final question, Josh? Yeah, we always finish on the same question, which is, it's a two-part question. First part is if there's one thing that your partner does that's an incredible piece of parenting that makes you so happy that you're with them and they're the father of your child. And the second part is the one thing they do parenting-wise that annoys you but you haven't brought it up, but were they to listen to this, this is your way of... God, I wish you prepared me for that. We do think that every time. We do think we've got to start thinking about that. No, I quite like people being put on the back foot. Just put on the spot, yeah. <laughs> I like the feeling of people panicking. <laughs> well, enjoy the feeling, Rob, because it's happening right now. I would say the thing that I like is that he's a fucking idiot in the best possible way. I mean, yeah, asking what they eat, we put something in the fridge, did panic me, to be honest, when you first told me that. <laughs> yeah. That is insane. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, he's, he was an idiot about parenting then, but he's just silly. So yeah, he, there's yeah, a lot of joking and stupidness. And I think I enjoy seeing them soak that up from him and feel like they could be Egypt's too, if you know what I mean. So yeah. there's a lot of jokes. That's a good thing. Yeah, I think because dad sometimes in the past was like, they sit in their chair with a paper and they there's no emotion. So yeah. I do think that maybe we're doing it wrong and being too silly, going too far the other way. But when I was growing up, there was always an uncle. My dad was really silly, but there was always like an uncle or, or men, as it were, like older men just sit there 
miserable yeah. drinking or talking. And you kind talking. of see them over the top of the yeah. paper, just kind of like, yeah, no, completely. So he's definitely not that guy. I would say the thing that I, I think, and we would all agree in the family, probably including him, is just the phone. Like we've had to have a couple of interventions where really? he just has to get off his fucking oh, phone. Oh, yeah. And it's like, I know it's not malicious. He's got addictive tendencies and phones are addictive. So yeah. he's sober, but he can still be addicted to your phone. Well, do you know what you need to do? Just leave your phone. I mean, I've put his phone in the bin before. Like, I really have. That's an expensive way to deal with it. That's a very expensive. (laughs) Honestly. But I just leave it upstairs for a few hours. They live in a bungalow, Josh. So think on. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you'd think that would be simple. He would just go up and get it. Like, like, (laughs) you know what? Check, mate. Check, mate. Just yeah. go and Fuck get it. Fuck off, Josh, with your silly ideas, mate. He's just going to go up and get just it. Just go and get it. He'll just make an excuse, go to the toilet, and then end up sat in the toilet for 35 minutes on yeah. WhatsApp. No, but it is hard because it's built to get your attention. I was got addicted to this bubble shooter game. And yeah. I was just on it all the time to the point where I had a bad thumb. But like, you know, when you see parents out with kids, I say you're at a restaurant, yeah. you see like a dad and his daughter. This happened to me the other day. So a dad and his daughter, and it was really cute. She must've been seven or eight and they were sat on the other side of the room. He fucking sat on his phone the whole time. Yeah. I wanted to go up and get his phone and fucking drop it in his drink. So like, should. She's there. Like, what does it say to her? And that's the thing, yeah. but we're as bad. In his defense, talking to a seven-year-old for a long time is hard. Sometimes <laughs> they just chat shit and you're like, fuck off, mate. I want to see if Romano's done a here we go on a Declan Rice to Arsenal. Like Oshin is that, but with football. Are you into football? I've become, I mean, I could tell you everything about Sheffield United. I've become so into football inadvertently because of him. Mm. That's what my mum did with Plymouth Argyle. There's a limit to how much I want to talk about it, that's for sure. <laughs> Yeah. Or or speculate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's too much speculating in football, oh, 100%. Yeah, totally. It's been an absolute joy. The book is called The Mess We're In. It's out now. I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying it. I really it. appreciate it. Let me know how you go. And I really hope it doesn't make you become a drinker again after no, reading it. Won't, it won't, worked oh, no. so hard to be sober. No, 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 But no. I, I haven't bought it yet, Annie. And when Josh has finished with the book and read it, yeah. I will let him tell me what happens. Perfect. And I then think we're that's all good. on the same page. Just he could just give you bullet points. <laughs> exactly. Then I know. And I could just, next time You're I see grand. it, but, oh, that bit in the book, blah, blah. Yeah. Know, and then we'll be best mates and it'll go from there. Next time you've got a book out, you come on, Rob can go, I've got a pricey of the last one. Oh, that's, that's how it works. When, yeah, yeah. Then we're, we're away. We've got start. a great understanding. Yeah. I yeah. do the research. <laughs> yeah. Rob gets in your head about your chores. You're so jabby. I love it. You've got such an easy end of the stick. I wish someone sat on my podcast and read all the books. Annie, I've not read any of the books. Not just yours. Anyone that's come on with a book, I've not read it. Josh normally does. He's into that. But if he didn't, I still wouldn't. I'll read the top title and then get a gist and then I'll blag it from there. Have you ever bluffed it, Annie, on Changes? I can't. Which is an excellent no. podcast people should listen to. Annie, can I tell you now, start bluffing, it will change your life. Oh my God. Imagine not reading all those books. <laughs> some are good, aren't they? Your one's good. Some aren't. I actually had a meeting with the producer the other day and she was like, you know, you can just ask them what the book's about. Yeah. And I was like, Did you oh, not hear me earlier? <laughs> Give us a little rundown of it. Tell us a little bit in one line. Not too much. Don't spoil it for us. Elevator pitch. Yeah. Don't spoil it for the other guys. (laughs) Brilliant. Cheers, Annie. Thank you so much. Good luck with it. Thank you so much. It's been a joy. Thank you, guys. Annie Mack. I've never met Annie Mack before. I like her. She's a good laugh. She's actually a good DJ. We're sometimes DJs on Radio 1. She's actual DJ DJ, isn't she? She, like, does sets. You went to see her at Glastonbury? No, it was too late. (laughs) 
you reckon you'll do it next year, Glastonbury? Or have you got it out of your system sober? I got a new way of experiencing it through being sober. I was in the healing fields at 8.30 in the morning. I was unbearably... Chipper. I don't think I'd do three days, but I only did three days because Elton John was on on the Sunday. Yeah, you probably would have just come home on the Sunday morning. Come home on Sunday. I wouldn't, as much as I enjoyed Sophie Ellis Baxter. <laughs> and she was excellent. But Annie Mac, the mess we're in's out now. Listen to our podcast changes. Rob, will we be back on Tuesday? Can you confirm that? Always. Always, man. Death taxes us on a Tuesday. Bye. 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 